this is where those triggers can happen. This is where a lot of grief can come up. This is where a lot of rage can come up. And this is something that a lot of parents find difficult because they think it's my child who is triggering as opposed to I'm being triggered because of my own unhealed or because of my own unresolved emotional stuff. In a fast-paced world, many of us struggle with overthinking and worry that leaves us feeling overwhelmed or stuck. In this podcast, we will hear stories of successful individuals and have conversations and ways to reach our true potential by embracing every micro detail of our identity, especially the flaws that make us unique. This is your host, Maria Grace Wolk. I'm a Filipina-American entrepreneur, psychotherapist, and mom of two boys. And my mission is to amplify diverse perspectives and experiences and inspire your journey to wellness and fulfillment. Today, I have Marina O'Connor joining me from Scotland. So I'm really excited to see her. I met her earlier this year and we got into chatting and we talked about motherhood and entrepreneurial life, all of that. Thank you for inviting me again. And I am in Scotland now. As you've already said, my name is Marina. I have psychotherapy practice. So I'm based in between Portugal and the UK, still figuring out how does it work in terms of being in two places at once. But I have psychotherapy practice where I mainly work with trauma, help my clients to navigate those layered conversation around what do we unconsciously pass on, what choices do we have as to how do we raise children, and also how do we heal ourselves throughout our parenting journeys. And then I also, a couple of years ago, I've launched my corporate mental health business where I work with companies and I help companies to support working parents with a transition back to work, with trying to juggling parenting and work because I do, yeah, I just think that parents don't have any support. Just we as a society are not actually designed to offer parents a lot of support with mental health. Yeah, so I'm doing that. Thank you for sharing and bringing this up because I just want to quickly say that I think that all companies, if they're not doing it already, should have this as a standard employee benefit. And I've been privileged enough to have had companies reach out to have me facilitate dialogue circles to talk about like current issues that may have affected their employees' mental health. Um, stress, burnout. I think that these companies are the ones that are leading the way, which is absolutely wonderful. But still, there's still so much work to do. There's still a lot of companies out there who stay away or just so uncomfortable with even bringing up the topic about mental health. So what you're doing is really normalizing this need for new parents to be supported because many new parents are afraid to ask for help or they don't know that they can't ask for help. Especially now that a lot of the work environments require you to just work your ass off and that's why so many are burnt out. They just feel this high pressure to to keep working, to not stop, to not take days off. And, And for this to change, it has to come from the top level, right? And then roll it out 
in order to normalize it. And once this happens, it not only benefits the individual, but also the company because you are able to maintain this healthy and productive work environment. My belief is that if we want to make the lives of our children better, if we want to improve the lives of future generations, it is actually by giving parents the tools to support their mental health and being able to live life that they want. So that's briefly about what I'm doing and then where I'm at now in my professional and personal journey as well. So that was my background uh, and my, I guess, knowledge of, of psychotherapy world just through that experience as a client, but definitely not something that I've envisioned myself going into at that point. I guess my kind of journey into psychotherapy is not like typical. Uh, although I don't know, I was always on the business side of things. I was, I've started my career in marketing. I was doing a bit of like venture capital, marketing, PR. Um, I had my kind of my own marketing business with a partner. Um, but I moved to London like 12 years ago and um, had a really major depression. That was a turning point where I had to evaluate what I wanted in life. I sold my business and it was just really at the point of my life where I wasn't really sure what direction I wanted to take. I was really struggling with that life change, being able to cope with that depression. I went mm-hmm. and thought, I'm going to just use that as an opportunity to learn, to process some of the things from my past, to understand mm-hmm. better. And I've decided to pursue psychotherapy training. And I think I've had my son towards the end of that. But I was already very interested in trauma work, but Mm -hmm. having him just was the experience that really led me into specializing and working with uh, perinatal transgenerational trauma, um, everything that was related to pregnancy, birth, that kind of major transition that I wasn't really unprepared for. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think at that point... My therapist was really prepared to support me with that either. So it was quite an interesting kind of chapter in my life where, again, the universe was telling me this is what you're meant to be doing. And it just aligned with how I felt internally as well. So it was a, a transition that led me to where I'm now. So I think I was always like, so I'm a perfectionist. And for anyone who is listening, people who are perfectionists, our idea of self is very much based on the achievements. So there is this deeper sense of if I don't achieve, I'm not worthy. If I don't achieve enough, then I'm not good enough. So this always has been part of how I was and also how I was raised as well. Mm -hmm. So I've learned that I need to do certain things to be accepted, to be loved, to value myself. So I think this is why from a very young age, I was working and and I've always been a workaholic in the sense of my career meant a lot to me. When I moved to London, because my husband was in London at that point and I had to exit my business, my sense of self was completely gone. So for anyone who has this perfectionist tendencies, you might have those points in life where you're in between doing different things. And that place in between is usually very challenging for more people like me. I'm calling myself now a perfectionist in recovery. I really fell into this deep kind of sense of 
depression, just really not seeing what's meaning at that point I could have in life. It was everything was new. My whole support system was gone. I just didn't really see what do I do with my life and how do I move from there because I was just someone who would spend all my time at work or so I wasn't used to having that choices in front of me because I always kept myself busy. So I think that was the science where I just thought that my coping strategies that I've had, they don't work. And I feel like I need new level of just supporting myself in a new way. I just want to process some of the things. I just want to help myself. And other than just going into therapy, I'm just going to go and train as a therapist to heal myself, right? To heal some of the things from my past, to understand some of the things that I thought I was scaring from mm-hmm. my childhood and just to really make sense of that. I just went there and, and I thought, oh, okay, this is just who I am. And it feels completely comfortable being here. Because sometimes you just feel it. You just know. There's just something yeah. inside that just clicks like, yeah, this is it. Like yeah. now I feel aligned. Yeah. Best self. It's like an emotional kind of sense of, okay, this is where I belong. And this is me. This is where I can really see myself doing that in many years and it just hits me so I had that and then many challenges uh, after but yeah well I think so I became a parent quite well I I don't know if it's late or not I was 35 when I had my older son so I think at that point I had like sense of self I thought that I knew myself I, I thought that I knew what I wanted from life so I I thought was understanding of who I am Mm-hmm. And I think what was really shocking to me is that when I had my son, all of those things were just gone because I felt completely lost. And I think that everything I knew about myself in this 35 years was not really valid anymore because I was just my like attention, my interests were somewhere else. Now, when we have children, we meet several different people, several new people, the baby is one, but then also we're meeting parts of ourselves that we haven't actually met or or we haven't been aware of until we become parents. That was very true for me. Yeah, tell us more about that. I just had this major identity shift, which I, I always talk to the clients I work with, but also in my business as well, that I think our sense of self is complex. But when we become parents, it's developmentally we're going to revisit, right? So many stages of, of our own development that we haven't had a chance to visit until our children are going to meet certain developmental tasks. And it starts during pregnancy, right? Where our needs are going to be different. Our expectations are going to be different. Our coping sh- strategies will need to be updated there's this really big identity shift where struggling to understand. So now it's like all of those old things that were important to me, are they not as important? Is being a mother more important than my career? And now it doesn't mean anything. So there was all this kind of questions that were really difficult to, to have answers for while also trying to recover emotionally and physically from that birth and it was quite challenging so yeah I just remember that feeling of being quite lost 
it was really interesting because my therapist who I worked with, who was wonderful and amazing, mm-hmm. and he's a really experienced therapist, but he was very open with me. And he said, Marina, I really think that you will be better with someone else. You will be better with working with someone else because I don't feel I can support you yeah. with some of the things that you're bringing in, like those identity crises and perinatal trauma and the connection to my childhood. So he was really not, I really appreciate that he was so honest about it. And he just said, you will really find someone else who would be better, who would be better for those. And I was like, okay, what's wrong with me? My own therapist is telling me that I'm not going to support you. So it was interesting. Yes, self-blame. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. We don't in society speak about those challenges of becoming a parenting, of some of the losses, those identity shifts, of like or transgenerational trauma, which is going to come up as we're going to revisit those developmental stages that I was saying. Yeah. And I completely agree with you. Kids growing up, every time they reach a developmental phase, a lot of parents who are not aware won't know that. The reason why they're such in an anxious mood is because they're constantly being triggered by their own kids. And yeah. it's, it's, it's yeah. so sad, right? Because I even have a personal experience to share regarding this. Because when my son, my firstborn, was heading into middle school, I was always anxious. And even yeah. as a therapist and being so self-aware and practicing mindfulness, it took me a, a yeah. while. I was anxious because... I had an anxious middle school years. I was uh, I had bullying experience that I, I processed, but some of that trauma is still in my body. So what's happening is when we talk about middle school, it triggers me. It triggers my body. My body reacts to maybe the word middle school and subconsciously or just the thought of middle school makes my body really anxious. I get nervous. My heart starts beating faster. And I have no idea why. All I know is that um, my body's telling me something, right? And I won't know. I won't know what it is unless I'm self-aware, unless I process it and I really look deep within, like what is causing me to feel this way? But a lot, a lot of people will, will probably just ignore it. I mean, you can't ignore it, right? It will manifest into something else. It'll manifest into headaches. It'll manifest into lack of sleep or can't sleep or just tired, it'll like consume your body if you don't address it. Like, why am I feeling anxious? You're suddenly short-tempered, you're, you're making mistakes, and it's because your body is remembering the anxiety that you felt then, the fear that you had then, back in that time of your life, even though you're mind has forgotten about it. So that's why it's important to really look within and process it with a professional to really understand what is going on or don't understand why you suddenly feel like you're always in a bad mood. And I I was constantly being reminded that, okay, he's now going into middle school. It's not that I'm worried that he's going to get bullied. Oh, there's that too. But I have to remind myself that we're not the same people and his experience is going to be different from mine. And I had to make sure that he's safe and I'm now safe. Like I I absolutely think this is so important for parents to Mm. be aware of this. No, And I was going to say, and the sad thing is sometimes when we are not self-aware, 
that we're projecting. We can feel like it's our kids that are making us crazy, right? And that breaks my heart when I I hear those things because we don't realize that uh, we're afraid. It's really fear that we're in fear and projecting our fears through our children. So I think because there is not much information around it, Mm -hmm. there's just a sense of isolation that everyone else probably is not struggling as much as me. And of course, now I know that everyone has their own challenges. But as a new mom, I didn't. And I thought that I'm the only one who maybe feels all of those ambivalent feelings. And my therapist tells me that he's able to offer support, something that just really led me to believe that through my own kind of journey that this is what I want to do. I, I think you've said something that we're going to to be triggered, right, by our children. And, and I think we just, we kind of perceive reality 90% based on past templates, all of us, right? So every conversation we have, everything that happens, like in relationships, this is how our nervous system kind of works. We're really going to perceive, to base it on what we know, what we've learned, how we felt. And I think during when we become parents, we're going to project not because we're doing something we're bad or not because we can't cope, but just because everyone is doing that, we're going to project our own experiences onto our children. We're going to want to protect them from things that happen to us. We're going, we, we would want them to be better at something or we would want them not to feel the same pain. But what very often happens is that when we haven't received certain things growing up, certain things haven't been modeled to us, mm-hmm. right? I'm talking about the parental modeling that, I don't know, like one of the examples you were talking about anxiety, if no one helps us to regulate emotionally, because for example, our parents were not ready or didn't have the tools or they were not really able to process their own feelings or certain feelings were unwelcome, then when our children are going to express those feelings, we're going to struggle. It's going to be challenging to offer them support and presence if we ourselves haven't learned it. And one thing that I always tell clients I work with is that there's this idea that if you have received as a child gentle parenting, right? If you have received that love, comfort, nurture, at least 30% of time, right? Because no one is perfect and no one like received 100% of that. But if you received it enough, this is what you're going to pass on as a parent without kind of thinking about it because it will come natural to you. You're just going to do what you've learned without kind of having to like read a book about it or I don't know, talk about it to someone or put the question on social media. So when you haven't received it, this is where those triggers can happen. This is where a lot of grief can come up. This is where a lot of rage can come up. And this is something that a lot of parents find difficult because they think it's my child who is triggering as opposed to I'm being triggered because of my own unhealed or because of my own unresolved emotional stuff that comes up as a result of that experience of being a parent. 
so yeah and i think like my supervisor as she she like says this amazing thing is about therapeutic errors so she says that we're going in every relationship right where there's going to be a lot of ruptures and i think there is no such thing as being a perfect parent and really no one actually knows what kind of parent your children need. No one knows what kind of parent my children need. I need to find my own voice as a parent and I need to work on the things that are important to me to be able to create that relationship with my children that will help them to grow, to develop, to thrive in life. But no one else knows because no one else knows my history. No one else knows what I bring into that relationship. No one else knows what I want to heal, what I want to pass on. So I think there's this idea that we as parents are going to have a lot of errors. And it's normal because we're all human and we don't actually know. We're only learning, right? We're only learning at every stage. Our children are going through every age and we're also changing. So I really like that idea of parenting errors and also using them really as an opportunity to either heal certain parts of ourselves and just really use that as a way to support ourselves in different way, but also use it as an opportunity to connect with our children in a different way. Yeah, I love that. To know at that point of time, while we're also going to just find out of different levels of ourselves as we go through life and we have those challenges. I always say that the healing part is when you are able to maneuver yeah. through the challenges, even if you're afraid and even if you're, you feel unequipped, but knowing that you will get through it and there are lessons yeah. to be learned and growth. Bermina, I do want to make sure you get a chance to tell us about your podcast where people can find oh. you and your yeah. programs and your Facebook um, group. Please tell us all about that because you are doing amazing yeah. things and I want to make sure that people know about it. Thank you so much. Yeah, so I do just recently launch this podcast that now I call it a podcast. It's like a YouTube channel, really. But basically, it's called Mental Health for Working Parents. And the idea behind this podcast is that we speak with other mental health professionals who are kind of colleagues of mine or just people from my network. And we speak about common emotional demands of parenting without shame and stigma. Normally, yes, come their parents themselves and mental health professionals. And they really share about their personal and professional perspective on being a parent. And we just try to really normalize and validate um, a lot of kind of stuff that still we don't speak openly enough in the society by just hopefully removing some of the labels and some stigma. And that's the idea. So it's called Mental Health for Working Parents. And for now, it's on YouTube, but hopefully it's going to be an, available on other podcast platforms. So yeah, I also have a, a Facebook group, and that's also called Mental Health for Working Moms. So that's okay. one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And anyone can join that group? Yeah, and anyone can join it. So that group is for mothers who want to start pre prioritize their mental health or if interested in that racial trauma or just really want to explore some of the ways to heal themselves, but also to just be more mindful of some of the things that we've spoken about and what do we pass on and what we don't want to pass on. Thank you again, Marina. Yes, and thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me and having me. It was great. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. 
If you resonate at all with the stories on this podcast, and you're thinking about a change in your current situation, in your career, in your relationship, or maybe even in yourself, what's holding you back from taking the first step? Find out by taking the What's Your Biggest Self-Sabotage quiz that you can find on my website at mariagracewolf.com. Until next time, stay kind and own your journey. Thank you again for your time today. If you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to hit subscribe, rate, and review. I would so appreciate it. The high rate and reviews will help others find the podcast so we can amplify, normalize, and break the mental health stigma. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. This is given with the understanding that neither the host or the guest are providing legal, mental health, or other professional information. This podcast does not substitute for personal professional services.